Xenologic. What's good, guys? And welcome to another episode of the X1 Era 2020 flip chart. In today's episode, we're going to go through the three games that happened, of course, yesterday. Now, the first game in the day was Ukraine versus North Macedonia. The five o'clock match was um, Denmark versus Belgium. And the last game, the eight o'clock evening game, was Netherlands against Austria. Now, what else to do but to get straight into it? Ukraine's match against North Macedonia. Both teams went into this match with L's hanging over their names. Ukraine, you know what, put a huge fight in. A huge, huge fight in, in their loss to um, Netherlands. Obviously, they went 2-0 up the Netherlands. And then Ukraine hit back with two quick-fire goals. But then, unfortunately, Denzel Dumfries, who's really impressed me and probably impressed a lot of people. But I'll get to him later. Then scored the winner. Netherlands deserved to win that game. Now, North Macedonia... I think the lowest ranked team in the tournament, they um, lost 3-1 to Austria. Hmm. Yeah, looking at how Austria played, you know, yesterday, hmm. not a good result. But they, they tried their hardest and that you can't, you can't say they didn't leave 110% on the pitch. You know, they gave it the all, they gave it, they gave it the absolute all. But now let's just get into the game itself. Ukraine scored two quick goals in like two, three minutes. First via um, Yarmolenko, who missed a 1v1 earlier. I believe it was a 1v1. And then after that, then scored from the resulting corner. And then um, Roman Yaremchuk, who also, who also scored in the first game along with Yarmolenko, also made it 2 0 within a couple minutes. In the first half, Ukraine were just in control. They just seemed to have the better of their opponents. And North Macedonia just couldn't get themselves into the game. But when the second half started, obviously North Macedonia had no choice but to fight because their progression in this tournament was on the line and they gave it their all. They gave it their best. They tried to make something out of it. They earned a penalty. And after the well, the keeper, you know, he, he pushed a Tchaikovsky. Tchaikovsky? My bad if, if, if I'm saying his day, broke, but yeah, number nine, in it? He took a shot in it, yeah. Unbelievable long-range effort. Keeper saves onto the bar. Pandev goes and snips the rebound, and um, the defender falls him, fails him. It becomes a penalty. Alioski, the Leeds United fullback, so I'm sure a few of you know who he is, had his penalty saved, but then the ball landed straight to him to you know put the rebound in. So he got away with that one. But in the end of the day, the only, it didn't end up meaning anything in terms of you know winning the match or something like that. So yeah, literally. It's it's ultimately, you know, Ukraine took the W and now they have renewed their hopes of making it far in the tournament. So, you have to just wait and see. Especially after looking at the third game with Netherlands and Austria and how bad Austria played. I see them definitely probably being Austria to finish second. But we can talk more about that afterwards, after we go into the second game. Now... One thing you guys might have noticed is that technically the flip chart series should have started two days before it should have. Because obviously Italy played against Turkey in the opening game and then we had the three games after that on the resulting day. One of them being Denmark versus Finland. Now we know probably the most unfortunate thing, one of the most unfortunate things, not the most unfortunate thing almost happened on the football pitch with Christian Eriksen having his cardiac arrest. 
and you know thankfully he recovered well recovered in that time from you know potentially almost dying to you know being in a stable condition and stuff like that so it was beautiful to see that so in respect to that I didn't want to start on that sort of note I wanted to start you know on a more positive occasion with not such a big event shadowing you know the footballing world at that point in time so yeah but Denmark lost against Finland and there was a historic victory for Finland because it was their first game in, in Euro's history and they won it, you know, for, so fair play to them. But unfortunately they weren't able to follow that up with a victory against um, Russia. So now, you know, this means that Denmark had a chance to cl- reclose the gap and gain some control of their destiny in the group against <laughs> the so-called best team in the world, as I like to call them. Belgium technically aren't the best team in the world because they did it with the World Cup, but that's another argument and discussion for another day. Belgium are a world-class team. Let's not get it twisted. Now, they they haven't played the strongest lineups. Eden Hazard and Kevin De Bruyne have not started in any of the games so far this tournament. The first half, it was unbelievable. You could tell Denmark they were playing on the emotion of it, of wanting to play for Ericsson and wanting to get the W because, boy, they flew out the traps. Obviously, with a helping hand from Jason Denier, who literally gave the ball away and then allowed himself to be dragged out of his position to allow Paulson, the Salzburg, I call him Salzburg, oh, <laughs> Leipzig forward to slot the ball into the bottom corner with 1 minute 39 seconds on the clock. What a bloody start. And Denmark kept the intensity up. They kept creating opportunities. They kept creating chances. And Damsgaard, the little attacking midfielder that took Eriksen's place in the lineup, he was sparkling. He's a nice little talent, him. You know what I'm saying? The Sandorian midfielder, but yeah, he was good too, apart from the dive, you know. But we'll let that slide. But we'll let that slide. But no, literally. He was really good. He was instrumental in keeping the pace up. The left wing back, that's the left wing back that's right footed, Male, I think he says his name. He was really good as well. Man was cutting in every chance he had. You could tell he don't like using his left foot. A bit like Jan Malenko not wanting to use his right and the commentators flaming him for it. But yeah, he was great too. Hoiberg did his thing. Gosh, shout out Hoiberg. And you know, Vestergaard was solid at the back and so so was Christensen and obviously Captain Simon Kiar, who was obviously credited for playing a huge part in Ericsson's recovery in some ways for um yeah but you literally they looked really good and they put big pressure on Belgium who just couldn't breathe they couldn't breathe they couldn't just keep the ball and build something they just they were just completely like strangled constricted but um unfortunately they have the Bruyne on the bench so he was unleashed at half time and well he changed the game because that's what players like the Bruyne do Despite not, not having a mask for his face, because I can't lie, I was expecting to come up with a mask in his face, like Batman AKA or the mask of damn Zorro. You know, man guy didn't come with a mask or anything like that. Man didn't need it. Man was like, cool, this is what we're doing, fam. I'm coming in here without the mask. Man came on, had the composure to, you know, sit down two defenders, lay off a Torgan Hazard for a tap-in for the equaliser. And then... Oh, what a finish with a second goal. A beautiful flowing attacking counter and attack move. Lukaku does really well to hold up the ball on the right side of the pitch. Like Lukaku is just a monster. His first touch might be questionable and sometimes he can be a bit off balance when he needs to be more on balance. But boy oh boy, when he gets flowing and he finally gets control of the ball, he's just so hard to shake off. He got the ball running around the pitch, passed it to, I think, Torgan. He played like a little one-two of Eden and I think then Eden laid it off to um I don't know if it was Eden or Torgan, but the one of the brothers laid it off to 
De Bruyne, De Bruyne, what a finish, swerved it near post, past Kasper Schmeichel, Oof. what a goal, what a goal, what a player man, even though, he, even though he did rob Kane of the PFA Player of the Year award, we'll talk about his international travails right now and he was the main difference maker in that game. And yeah, dude, Denmark were luck. Unfortunate, unfortunately, they tried. Braithwaite hit the bar. You know, he, he he was quite dynamic himself in that match. Fair play to him. You know, the Barcelona forward. But unfortunately, they couldn't get the equaliser and they had to take the L. And Denmark are probably as good as out. They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to beat Russia and see what happens. I think they have a chance of beating Russia if they play like that against Russia. That Russia have no chance. <laughs> That's the simple truth. But the question is, will they? You know, will they? And then it gets really tight. Because let's be honest, it's unlikely Finland will beat Belgium. But you don't know in football. Belgium are going to play the strongest lineup once again in that match. So you just have to wait and see. Now, let's get on to the third match of the day uh, Netherlands versus Austria. These were the two teams that won in the first round of fixtures. You know, Austria winning 3 1, Netherlands winning 3 2. The game, oh boy, I don't know what to say. I fell asleep at some point, which tells you enough. Netherlands comfortably pulled off a 2-0 win. Oh boy, it was comfortable. So, so comfortable. I, like, I'm thinking about it now. Them, Austria were very disappointing. And there's two things they didn't really do right here. Well, one thing, I'm just going to point this out. Austria are not Bayern Munich. They're not on the level of Bayern. So why did it feel like they can play David Alaba at centre-back? When I've watched Austria in the past in major tournaments, Alaba always plays in midfield. A player of his ability and his skill and his talent for a country like Austria, he's the captain, the leader. You need to put him in the position where he can influence the match. I'm sorry, but no one's running the game from centre-back, no matter how good you are. Some people might have done it then, but we're talking about raw centre-backs that were proper centre-backs. Alaba is just a utility man, probably the best utility player in the world, but he's a utility, utility man. His strongest position, he played left-back most of his career at Bayern. You know, he played centre-back for the first, I think he was a consistent centre-back player for the first time this season. Even though, let's be honest, we, both, we all know that Alaba is not traditionally a centre-back. It's not suited to his strengths. He's actually more suited to playing midfield. But left-back works for him too, because he's a very good left foot. Now, I, Austria just, before they didn't do this, I don't know why they've suddenly just decided to do this. The first day, the three... The, the, the system they played doesn't suit them. They, they played better when they played a four-two-three-one, I believe, or something like four-five-one, something like that. They just didn't play well. It's never, I don't know, like Netherlands. This ain't the best Netherlands team we've seen. The twenty-fourteen side was even better than they, these lot. But you know, if we credit to Netherlands, they they they've done enough. The midfield of Wijnaldum, De Jong, and Martin De Rhone really doing their thing, and they've been helping Netherlands control games comfortably, especially De Jong boy. That kid is a talent. You can see why Boston has spent seventy-five million pounds on him, boy. He, he's a he's a good one still. My another must really know he's a man transformed for his country. You know the de facto captain because when Dyke couldn't play, the licked came back to the lineup. He looks solid enough. You know he's always improving still. And yeah, just Austria just couldn't do anything. Only one shot on target the whole match. And like I said, once Alaba started to play a bit more advanced, Austria looked a little bit more threatening. And it's just to me, oh, I don't understand why you're playing him a centre-back. You're, you're, no offence, but you're Austria, man. You play your best players in the positions where they can influence the game. Look at Ukraine with Zinchenko. They don't play him at left-back. Mainly because they've got a big talent in them. Mikolenko, I believe his name is. 
you know, you're going to play him there. And Zinchenko was naturally a midfielder anyways when he joined City from FC Ufa. So it makes a lot of sense. Alaba, you could say, was a left midfielder as well when he broke through at Bayern, I think. Or even before then. He ended up becoming a left-back. He did his thing there. Now, you either played Alaba a left-back or a left-wing-back in the system. Or you play him as a central midfielder. But, you know, they've got, they got talented midfielders too. This is another problem. They've got the likes of Combat Lima. Um, Xhava, Shagla, um, Sabitza. So, you still put Alaba in there, man. Like, Conrad Lima, I believe, only played five games this whole season for, for Leipzig. You know, he's been injured, broken ankle. You know, but he's paid the price. I don't see Austria making it out of the group, despite the fact they've got three points. I think they're going to, I don't think they're going to win their match against, um, who they played against? I think it's Russia. Yeah. No, they're not in the same group. What am I talking about? But no, literally, I don't see um, Austria winning their next match, even though I don't remember who it's against. If Netherlands, if Netherlands are playing against, it's Netherlands, Ukraine, Ukraine. Okay, I got there. I got there. I got there. I got there. They played against Ukraine, and literally, I don't. Ukraine looked good in the Macedonia match, even though they did fade off quite badly by the end of the game. They, 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 the beginning of the match was bored and convincing for me. Andrei Shevchenko got them playing good football. So I, I think Ukraine will, will wrap up second place behind the Netherlands in that group, to be honest. North Macedonia probably is going to sell. But, um, yeah, that's my review of the three games. Hope you guys enjoyed that, and I will see you in tomorrow's episode. Which will feature England versus Scotland. That's the main game we're talking about. No one cares about Czech Republic, Croatia or Slovakia, Sweden, even though those are important games for their own simple reasons, but we're in England, baby, it's coming home, don't get it twisted, England, Scotland, that's the main game, and I'm excited to see what, what England do, but yeah, see you in the next episode, I just had to add that in at the end, man, you know what I'm saying?